Good. Well, uh, this morning, um, we're going to be looking at a text that's actually not terribly theological or doctrinal. There's actually just kind of these two guys that, in the middle of this letter, Paul decides to talk about, this guy Timothy and this guy Epaphroditus. And uh, before we kind of get into that, I think um, I just wanted you to hear from a few people from your faith family in this room and just the ways that God is encouraging them, growing them, shaping them. Uh, One of the things that we say consistently here is that um, we're a word-driven church. Uh, If you walked by that banner outside in the corner when you came around the the hallway, uh, you saw kind of those four distinctives that kind of mark who we are and and what we're about. So there's gospel-driven, word-driven, discipleship-driven, mission-driven. And that word-driven basically means that, that we are a church that, that fully believes in the full sufficiency of the scriptures, that they're authoritative, that they're, they're all truth, that they also provide all that we need for life and godliness, that we don't need to have other cute ideas, other cute philosophies, or have some other, you know, uh, thing from the outside world telling us, you know, what goes on, that we have a God who's alive, a God who made all things, a God who wants to speak, who wants to reveal, who's done it primarily in his written word. And so it's been awesome hearing about how you guys are being refined and formed by the written word of God, by the miracle that is his written revelation. So I just wanted um, a few people to share with you all how God's been doing that in their life, how he's been changing them and shaping them. Um, So Ben, if you don't mind just uh, coming up first, Ben uh, has consistently just been sharing with me ways that God has been, uh, not only as we walk through Philippians, but in general, uh, just refining you by the, you want my Bible? Oh, you want my mic? Uh, no, sir. Uh, no, uh, you can use that one. Is that okay? Yes, if it's okay, on. Okay, good. good. So, Ben, why don't you just, just share some Yeah, there, I mean, there's three passages that have really been, I, I've been reflecting on um, after this, this series. Uh, the first one is to live as Christ, to die as gain. And I've just been thinking about what would this mean if I could truly grasp that truth, if I truly believe that to die would be a gain, how that would affect my life. Um, so that's, that's one thing, how that would affect Every relationship, my, my marriage, my, um, my relationship with my daughter, um, how it would affect my work. So to live is Christ, to die is gain. But think about that a lot. Um, the other one is, is the, the passage about standing firm in the gospel with one mind, with one spirit. Like what, what would that look like if, if we were truly doing that? If we were standing firm, if we weren't wavering, um, what would that truly look like? What fruit would that bear? Um, I don't know how many of you had an opportunity to listen to Francis Chan speak at um, Calvary Chapel in Wayne, but he spoke on, on John 17, and he focused on two phrases, and it was um, unite them. He's, he's praying for his disciples. He's praying for those who would believe because of the, the disciples' faith, and he goes, even I want them to be united, even as you and I, the Father and Jesus, are united, so that, that that's possible. I want them to attain that type of unity, so even as, that you, as we're united, so that the purpose of it is so that the, the world would see my love for the world. And so, so to think that our unity would be able to show the world how much Jesus loves them, I, I, I was thinking about that. What would, what would my life look like if we could be united? And then the final one was just Philippians 2. I, I can't get over Philippians 2. Um, and I was just thinking about how, how prideful I am, how selfish I am, how much that's exposed, um, how, how much I do think about myself and not others and what it would look like if I was truly humble. But as I was reflecting on the, all this, I realized there's one consistent pronoun in all of it. And it's, it's me, and it's my. What would my life be? And what I realized was as, as, as long as my eyes are fixed on, on me and what I need to do, I will, my eyes will not be on Christ and what he has already done. Mm-hmm. And so I, I kept thinking, man, I don't need just, I, I don't need to 
just muster up more faith to believe that to, gain, to die would be gain. I don't need to just, um, I can't force myself to love Mike. I can't force myself to love uh, Giovanni and Mike McKinney and Bob. I can't force myself to do that. That needs to be given to me. Humility. I can't make myself be humble. I can't just leave thinking, okay, I need to do this so that I'm, I, I can be more humble. What I need to see more of is, is more of Christ, more of Jesus, and just re- respond to that. And so what I left with and what I want to challenge you all with, um, because as, as long as it's about me and what I need to do, I'll either be prideful if I'm doing it well or condemned if I'm, if I'm falling short. And so what I, what I left with is to live as Christ, to die as gain. When I, when I think about that, I need to think about in view of God's mercy. I don't even deserve breath, but he's given me breath. He's even given me an opportunity to live. I don't deserve to live. To, to die, I should go into eternal torment, eternal punishment, but I actually get to gain because of Christ when I die. That's crazy. And then to think of, of unity, I deserve to be punished in isolation for all of eternity, but he gives us companionship, he gives us unity, he gives us each other to be able to share life with, to go, man, I'm struggling, help me, I'm struggling with this. We get to, we get to be united, we get to fellowship with each other when we, all we deserve is eternal torment and isolation. And then humility. I mean, we, we cannot muster up enough humility. It's a gift that needs to be given that we're, we need to think about, man, all I, because of what Christ has done, my life should be given to just serve him, to earn back what he's already accomplished. But what he came to do is he came to serve us, not to be served, and give his life for us and dying for us. And so our only options for that is either to reject those truths or to reflect those truths with our lives. So my challenge to you is, is to take your eyes off of yourself, see more of Christ, pursue him. Faith comes by hearing, hearing from the word of God, know his word, know him, and then reflect the truth and, and the glorious um, truth of the gospel. Thank you for letting Thanks, me Thanks, Ben. Amen. Yeah, let's, uh, we're done. Uh, it was funny when I wrote Ben and some others and I, and I asked, you know, hey, can you guys just share, you know, Three to four minutes. Uh, he was the only one who wrote back. Said, so you left off two zeros. You mean 30 to 40 minutes. That, that's what you want me to share. Uh, so if you want to just come back up and just, no, no. No, no. Um, thank you, Ben. Super encouraging. Uh, Becky, where are you at? Are you, where's Becky? There she is. She's coming over. Becky, I mean, not to single her out, but if you have a chance to get to know Becky or say hi to Becky, I mean, just, just make a point too. She has encouraged me so much. Um, she's so unassuming. Uh, she's not one that uh, I, I don't think enough shares what God is just bubbling up in her heart. So I just asked her to share a few words too. So, Mike, yep. um, speak very highly of me. <laughs> um, I just wanted to share two kind of themes that I've been learning and just really convicted of through our study of Philippians. And the first is the idea of humility, and especially in my relationship with my dad. And he's not a Christian, and we don't see eye to eye in a lot of things. And it can be really discouraging at times because. I'm still called to honor him, but what does that really look like? Um, And so living in humility um, in that relationship has always been something that I've really struggled with. Um, But this study in Philippians has really just been an encouragement and a reminder that I need to continue to strive for that um, regardless of my situation. And um, especially in that we have this perfect example of Christ. And if Christ really is the goal, then how much easier um, does that look like? And we're not walking alone in this, that we have this perfect example set before us. So that's really been an encouragement and a conviction to me. And the other idea um, Ben kind of touched on is this this idea of unity and 
um, unity with each other and within the church. And it's been um, really an encouragement um, just to kind of be talking about that and to be looking at the different people who started the church at Philippi and looking at, um, you know, how people came from all different backgrounds and how they came together. And um, I think so often we, we really want and we all yearn for those deeper relationships and that um, that sense of unity, and yet we don't really take any steps to actually live it out in our lives. And um, and yet we have this example of Christ, and we have this example before us, and yet we kind of wait for someone else to be vulnerable first. We wait for someone else to fa- make the first move because we're scared. We're, we're really good at pretending like we have it all together, and we don't really want to, you know, go below the surface level. And, and it's really been an, just an encouragement and a conviction to me um, to take that step because we already have this example before us that um, it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to um, ask someone how they're really doing and to listen and to be open and honest. And um, so that's something that I hope you can all be encouraged with. Um, if we can't do it with each other, who can we do it with? Um, and so, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I hope that really encourages you and challenges you as it has been me. Thanks. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Becky. Super encouraged. And then is, is Peter here? Where is he? Oh, there he is. Come here, Peter. Good stuff. Um, Peter, another guy. Man, you, when was the first Sunday you guys landed here? Right? December. It was like December 21, right? Oh, before that. Shoot, I missed you. Um, anyways, yeah, why don't you, I mean, you're, you're tall enough. You're going to make me look really short. I'm already short, but uh, <laughs> I'm all torso. So you... Yeah, no, you can go as long as you want. You can go as long as you want. Look at that. You got your whole sermon written out there. Okay, good. Uh, wow. Notes. That's, yeah, okay. All right, great. Uh, no, just, just, just another great brother. Can't encourage you enough. Just, you know, if, if you haven't a chance to meet, you know, Ben or Becky or, or Peter, just having Peter and his family. Raquel's over there. Just slip your hand up. Yeah, she's just awesome, too. Just hearing how God, through their search for churches, landed them here and how he's been growing them more in the image of Christ, but specifically... Uh, we had just been writing, and, and just some ways that God had been tangibly using him in his uh, immediate realms was really uh, powerful and convicting. So, yeah, I'd love just you to, you to share, too. So, the words in Philippians, for the greater progress of the gospel, when Pastor Mike gave an illustration, who are you chained to? That shook my soul. <laughs> that the words... God and the book of Philippians are so powerful, and the call to know Jesus Christ, to know the glories of the gospel, have just launched me forward, and this church, this series has been a tremendous blessing to me, and this faith family has been a tremendous blessing to me, to my family, and has helped me to see Christ more, so I'm very, so grateful that. Now, in the last month, I have been going through something different at my job, and what had happened was a customer had asked me to take care of something for him, and at the time, I thought it was not a big deal, and the advice I was receiving from coworkers and outside specialists was that this wasn't a big deal kind of was a gray area and very common. But (laughs) there was something inside of me, someone who was convicting and leading and guiding, and something was not sitting right with me. But in the providence of God, 
he brought a Christian, an outside, a, a Christian that I just happened to come across who was a specialist in this field, and he was able to give me actual real counsel. He's just like, Peter, this is not gray, this is black, very, very black. So I had to, I had to escape a very sinful situation. And at this same time, I was able to come to some people at this church who were more knowledgeable about this and their, their expertise. They gave me good counsel. Some, some of you who I love and I'm very thankful for, you prayed with me. You blessed me. You encouraged me. At the same time, Pastor Mike was preaching. Conduct, conduct yourselves according to the gospel of Christ. So I have someone encouraging me. I have brothers who are encouraging me, praying for me, sending me text messages while I'm fighting for the faith of the gospel. And so in this situation, I, I didn't know what to do. So I had to pray, love Jesus more than my job because I could lose my job, lower than, more than mm. money, more than comfort, love obeying God, love communion. In this instance, Jesus, through his Holy Spirit, he gave me such a sweet, sweet peace and a communion with him because I'm not blameless in the situation, and he's so sweet in his forgiveness. And in that, in prayers and encouragement, I have been enabled to escape the clutches of this very sinful situation. And the series, the encouragement, the grace, God enabling me has been a sweet blessing. The image that God gave me was that I have a lamb of God in heaven who is nursing me, and mm. he is my secret hiding place. And I have been in the heavenly places with our Lord as he has protected me and worked for good in the midst of these trials and very, very difficult times. That's, I think, why Pastor Mike wanted me to reach out and speak to you guys because God is so sweet. Jesus' love is amazing. Amen, man. Thanks. Yeah, I could, oh, every time I talk to you, man, I could just talk forever. Unfortunately, I have stuff I got to do. So, uh, but man, just such a, thanks for sharing that. Just, we, we hope that just more of you guys, I know I've asked some of you, I know that uh, some of you guys are a little bit terrified of being in front of people in general, but, but God's really at work here. Uh, it's, it's not just a bunch of people getting together just to sing some songs and hear a message and then leave and be unchanged or untransformed or live the same way they came in. I mean, this is, God's actually doing things. And so I, I just, I hope you're encouraged at just how God is, is moving in your midst around people that are right near you in your seats. Uh, sometimes we can feel like we're just the only one dealing with something or the only one thinking a certain way and really there's someone right next to you that's going, no, I'm, I'm wrestling through that. I'm, I'm fighting for the same fight for faith that you are. Um, I'm burdened with the same burdens and anxieties you have. I, but we all have the same Jesus, the same God in heaven that came and died and lived and rose and did all those great glorious acts on our behalf for us so that uh, we could then be not just saved to him but saved to one another. Right, that's often the thing we miss. We're not, just, we're not just saved with God and Jesus. It's not just this individual, you know, it's just me and God. I don't talk to anybody else. He's, he's saved you to a people. So part of that people is the family of God and, and the local church, not just all Christians everywhere. And uh, praise God that he's done that here and that he's, he's continuing to do that. So I just hope that, that you're encouraged by that. It's, it's, it's so encouraging for me. I know a lot of times I can uh, just focus on what's wrong in a situation 
right, and just not give great gratitude to God. That's what we talked about last week, that, that we don't grumble and complain. The way that we kind of resolve that is by having just gratitude, cultivating gratitude in what the cross of Christ has done for us. Um, and so I just pray we'd be grateful people, uh, that we'd be much more grateful than we, than we are. And uh, I just love hearing the ways God's moving. So um, Philippians chapter 2, uh, most of you guys probably have your Bibles open there. We're in verses 19 to 30 this morning. Again, just a, a passage that's not really terribly theological or doctrinal, but I think there's a few things God wants us to grab out of here um, and, uh, and teach us, right? He always wants us to teach us something. So um, every part, every verse of Scripture is for our benefit, for our good, for our joy. So uh, we're not going to skip a seemingly, seemingly ambiguous passage I know some of you guys are like, man, I read the passage that we're doing this morning, and I was just like, man, it's so boring, right? Like, just two dudes that did something, you know? Well, there's more than that, and I can't pronounce one of their names. So that's kind of all that you guys really got out of that. I'm hoping God maybe uh, shows a little bit more. So let, let's pray and ask him to do that, and we're just going to look uh, just for a few minutes at this text. God, thank you that you're a God that, that changes and transforms lives, that you actually make dead hearts, you actually make them alive in Christ, God, thank you that you let the blind see, the deaf hear, Lord, not just physically, but but spiritually. God, that you're a God of literal healing of the soul of the deepest degree, which is our sin, which separates us from a holy, infinite, amazing, massive God who in his love and mercy and pursuit came with Jesus and lived and died and rose for us. So God, I pray that that just understanding that, seeing the model that that you are in humility and, and you not considering a Equality with God, a thing to be grasped, and the way you became a servant and humbled yourself for us. We weren't worthy, but you counted us worthy, that that would change us. And uh, speak to us this morning, surprise us as we always ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So last week we talked about this idea of what it means to work out your salvation. We talked about how, uh, unfortunately, there's been a theology that's been taught throughout the history of the church where we think that salvation is just something that solely I say some words to God and then I'm good with God and I in heaven and then I kind of coast through my life and then one day when I die, he's, a, he's supposed to let me in. And we say, no, you're, you're actually supposed to grow in that salvation that you profess. You can't just profess to love Jesus and then look nothing like him. You can't say, hey, I repent of my sin and I, I, this amazing sacrifice is mine, but then there's no change in you that demonstrates the sacrifice is yours or that you love it. Right, so, so there's got to be a working out of salvation, there's got to be a, a, a drawing closer to God, a fighting your sin with fear and trembling, awe and reverence. We talked about the fruits of working out your salvation with fear and trembling, not grumbling and complaining, but, but having a grateful heart. We looked at then, what Paul does is he kind of showed us first in verses 5 to 11, okay, here, here's, here's Jesus, this great example of humility. Then he says in verse 17, we left off last week, okay, now here's the example of the way I lived a humble life, right? He said, I'm going to just pour my life out, okay, if I get beaten or I get stoned or I get whatever happens to me, if it results in your greater faith, pour my life out. I mean, amazing selflessness in the life of Paul. And now here's what he's going to do this morning is just lay before you. Hey, here's two other guys that are killing it. Okay, here, here are two other guys. They're ordinary guys, Timothy and Epaphroditus, who are other models of humility. Okay, he's going to just explain why they are and what they do. And he's basically going to show us that these guys are actually living out the last 16 verses I just shared with you. These guys are doing that. Right, they're taking this salvation thing Seriously, these guys are, are models. And, and here's, here's the reason that I, that I think Paul does this, okay? It's not explicitly in the text. I just, I think Paul does this because the Philippians are probably a lot like you and me, 
right? We're going, okay, well, Jesus is our model for humility, but that, that's Jesus. I mean, he's, he's God, right? I'm not God, so I mean, that, that's kind of, I mean, yeah, I get that I am supposed to be like him and reflect him, but I'll never obtain that type of model. It just seems kind of distant for me. I mean, there's such a separation. I'm a finite, human, imperfect being, and he's a perfect, holy God that, of course, he's going to model it right. Okay, then I know, Paul, you gave us yourself, but you're like a spiritual superman, right? You're the Apostle Paul. You, like, wrote half the Bible, and you, you know, did all these things, were beaten and shipwrecked, and yet you love the church, and you almost seem, like, unattainable, too. Like, there's just this, almost like you're an apostle. You're, so, so I think it's almost like Paul's going, okay, okay, okay. I know Jesus seems unrelatable. I know I might even seem a bit unrelatable. Let me just share with you two guys that are just like you, okay, who are modeling this. Because if you have the Holy Spirit of God in you, this is, this is possible for you. Okay, it's not just for the super Christians, not just for the pastors and leaders. No, it's for, for all of us, right? All of us have a role in the work that God has called us to. And so here, Paul lays out in verse 19, the first guy who's Timothy. I'm sure a lot of you guys are familiar with him. He just gives him as a model of Christ-like humility. Verse 19, I hope in the Lord to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. They all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a father he served me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that surely I myself will come also. Okay, so Timothy's this guy who's his second example. And one of the things that just sticks out here is he is genuinely concerned for the maturity in Christ. Okay, he loves the church at Philippi. Okay, now, now don't, don't forget, Paul, Timothy was with Paul when they planted the church. Remember in Acts 16, we looked at that kind of journey from Troas across, across the Aegean, God bringing Christianity from, from uh, Asia to Europe, and then you see Timothy with him. Paul kind of grabs Timothy with him. He's his spiritual son, his spiritual protege, and they go and they plant this church. So Timothy knows these people as much as Paul does. And, and you see this abiding love that Timothy had for this church in Philippi. And he basically tells him here that, that this guy Timothy is willing to leave his spiritual father in the faith to go to you to just hear news of you just so my heart can be cheered. I mean, what is that? He's just looking at the interests of Paul and the church. He's a selfless man, right? He's a humble man. These are, just, these are just examples of how he's living a humble life. And there's two things at work here, right? Okay, one is this deep abiding love for Paul, right? You can clearly see that. And a deep abiding concern for the church at Philippi. And both are motivated by what? The cross of Jesus Christ, right? Like both of these things, this deep concern that he has. Remember, we, we said that, that he's the source and substance of all this. So Timothy's not a guy who's just trying to be more humble. He's trying to be nice. He thinks it's a cute idea to, to leave and go here to the church of Philippi and come back and then just bring concern to, you know, Paul. This is something that he actually cares about. Something he actually loves because the gospel has so penetrated his heart. And look at what the cross of Christ creates in him. Verse 20, he's genuinely concerned for your welfare. That's, that's humility. He's genuinely concerned for your welfare, for how you are doing. He's looking to the interests of you and not his own. That's what's on his mind. That's what he's thinking about. Timothy was so concerned about someone else's spiritual needs, and Paul's just going, I, I love this guy. He's Paul's spiritual son. We don't, we don't know a whole lot of huge things he does, 
We know that Paul knows that he cares enough about people that Paul actually leaves Timothy in Ephesus, right, to shepherd there and encourage that flock and to grow them in Christ. He says there's no one else like him. He goes, you know how everyone else is just looking to their own interests? You know, you know everyone else is just all about me and what I want. I'm being my own God. No, Timothy's not like that. Timothy's primary concern is other people and how they're growing up in the knowledge of the Son of Jesus. And it's a beautiful thing that we see here about Timothy. So Paul basically says, I just want him to come and comfort you. I want him to come and comfort you with these words. Now, Timothy is very simply just a model of the true shepherd in John 10. Right, the true shepherd being Jesus. Right, so we had that text on the screen. When you came in, we kind of have those texts up that help kind of till the soul for the rest of the sermon. John 10, 11 says that, that the true shepherd right, lays down his life for who? His sheep, right? Other people. So this is, this is just the, the heart of a shepherd, right? So really as Christians, we should have the heart of our true shepherd who just lays his life gladly down for the interests of others, for the interests of the sheep. And here you just see Timothy doing this. And so as, as, as he's thinking about Lydia, as he's thinking about this jailer, as he's thinking about the, the, the slave girl who was demon-possessed, who in the name of Christ was delivered from that demon-possession, then joins this church, as they're actually thinking about these people, remember, you've got to get into the story. These are, these are real people. Philippi is not some magical place. It's just off the coast somewhere that you can't still see or visit. Like it's a real place with real people who lived there, a church that really was there, that really was thriving, that really was growing. And Timothy's thinking about these people. He's going, man, I'm concerned for your growth in Jesus. I'm concerned that you strive together side by side for the faith of the gospel. Do you, do you have that heart for each other? Or is it more about, man, church at Burger is just what I can get out of it, what I can do. And, I mean, I'm not really wanting to strive side by side with anybody. I mean, I kind of like just me and God and what I get that I can leave. Or, or are, you, are you thinking about people around you going, no, I, I want to. Help them grow and mature in Christ. I want to I work towards this unity that Ben shared about. I want to work towards greater maturity in Christ-likeness. I want to be rubbing shoulders with Peter and talking about, man, how are you wrestling with your faith and advancing the gospel in your work? Man, I'm having trouble with that too. That, that's how this begins. That was Timothy's heart. It's just a humble heart. It's just a great model to follow. We see that in this picture of Timothy. And, and I love it because Paul's... Paul's just not sending some indifferent guy to go to Philippi. He's sending someone he knows is a good model of this Christ-like humility that he's writing this letter about to the Philippian church. Now, now how do we know that he's like this? I think we see a little bit about this about Timothy because right after he tells how some people, they're, not, they're just concerned about their own interests, he goes, they're not concerned with the interests of Jesus Christ. So he's basically implying Timothy is. Like, Timothy has a singular vision. Okay, I don't know what your day's filled like, what your life is like. We probably have tons of different interests, tons of different things we like. But man, Timothy, his singular vision is advancing and serving the cause of Jesus Christ. Okay, that, that's, that's his goal. Now, some of us, we have so many interests, we don't do anything, right? And some of us, we're pouring our life into interests that are vain and empty. So you're going to come to the end of your life and spending your whole life with interests that, that leave you meaningless, Right? So he gave himself to the one cause that was eternal. He was, I'm, I'm going to give myself to the risen Christ who is actually doing things currently, who's actually growing me in the faith. These things matter. But this, this is eternal weight. All right? These are the things we're talking about. And so here you see that this is this vision of him. He's going, how can I be more like Jesus? How can I advance his cause? How can I model him? How can I be a, a greater picture of him? And Because as far as we know, right, Timothy never, never 
you know, had a home. I mean, we never see him buying real estate, right? We don't, we don't see him get married. We don't see him have a wife or children. He may have, but there's nothing talked about that, right? I mean, for as much as we know, I mean, Timothy was kind of this guy that moved around solely based upon what did Jesus want me to do? Well, you want, you want me to leave Paul and go, and go hear from the Philippian church and then come back and then cheer his heart and bring him encouragement? I'll do that. He just, he just it's, so, it's so nuts. Like, he just didn't think at all about himself. He's just this guy that just wanted to advance the cause of Jesus Christ. And, and I also think that the character of Paul, the sacrificial character of Paul, just so bled into his life that it just rubbed off on him so much so that he just began looking more like the one who was conforming Paul. I mean, we all know what this is like, right? I mean, you, you become like who you hang around, right? So, so, I mean, imagine if any of us spent years with Paul. I'm just guessing. I bet our courage would boost a little, right? Oh, you've been beaten? You've been stoned for the... I know just reading about the beheadings, about people being burned alive. I know for me, just that, and I'm so disconnected from that, and I almost have to repent of my naivety sometimes, my just indifference when I read those things because I want them to bother me in a way that forces me to change now. But man, when I, even just hearing about that, there's just like this, this seed of courage that just starts getting sown in my heart. I don't know about you, right? So, so, so if you're spending time with people that are loving Jesus, advancing his cause, that's going to rub off on you, and you're going to start modeling that too. Right? So, so you can see how even with Timothy and Epaphroditus, we're going to see, these are guys who are around Paul, and his life just rubbed off on them. So they're like, yeah, I, I, I'm seeing this model. I'm being encouraged by this guy. I'm being motivated by this guy, and it just conformed him more in the image of Jesus. Notice it didn't conform him more in the image of Paul. Timothy wanted to be like Jesus. That was his cause and that was his goal. Now, through serving Paul, he was serving Christ. But it wasn't just about him making much of Paul. And so we see Timothy consumed with the interests of Christ and the advancement of the gospel. What, what a guy. Epaphroditus is the next guy Paul lays out. Paul mentions this guy, Epaphroditus. One more example. He's kind of less known than Timothy. He says this, I've thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all as, has been, as he has been distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and I may be less anxious. Now, look at verse 29. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. (laughs) Another mind-blowing picture of humility. Epaphroditus' life was secondary to Paul's life, and it was secondary to the people at Philippi. Like, his concern was, was him second. Looked to the interests of others, and then he looked to his own needs and wants, right? I mean, you see this right here in this 
passage, he, his concern was the church growing in mature faith and Paul being encouraged. So Paul right here says, hey, I'm going to send this guy Epaphroditus. He's another humble guy. He's another model of this Christ-like humility that you saw. He's relatable to you. He's a guy just like you. He's an ordinary guy. And be encouraged by him. Be encouraged by what he's doing. And it seems like the Philippians, what they did was they sent Epaphroditus to go to Paul to bring food for him, to bring just needs that he had, to care for him. But they sent him into a situation that was incredibly hostile. Okay, so, so here's what that's similar to. That's like you all here hearing about, you know, me being somewhere. It could be in the Middle East. It could be Russia. It could be somewhere where maybe I'm in prison and, and I could die. And, and you know, the elders and leaders get up and say, hey, guys, uh, we need someone to go and just take food and resources to, to Mike. Anyone want to do that? And, and, and you might die doing it. And one of you guys going, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, yeah, I'll go. Where do you need me to go? How do you need me to serve? I mean, do, you see, do you see the selfless nature of these guys? I mean, these, these are just amazing models. I mean, what do you mean? It's like, no, no, you might die. <laughs> yeah, I know. But, but I'd rather risk my life for the advancement of Christ and his gospel than just sit and be comfortable and wallow in what I want and what I need. So our pastor needs something, I'll go serve him. I mean, what an what a amazing picture here of humility. And see, you're not a preacher, right? You're not, you're not some big Christian leader that's on tons of podcasts, and you're not, you know, this guy that's, you know, writing music for the whole Christian circle. You're not speaking at passion. You're not being asked to go to conferences. You're, you're just your average person, right? Because here, here's what I think happens so often is, I just think we need to see Epaphroditus. He's just an ordinary guy going, yeah, I'll risk my life. I'll be faithful. I'll be faithful to this church. But like, he doesn't have a platform. And he's going, no, I'm just, I just want to be faithful. I just want to be a servant. I just want to be like Jesus, who modeled humility. I just want to give myself to this, these people in this place, right? And advance the cause of Jesus Christ. And it's amazing because Paul says, I'm sending him back to you and you need to honor this guy. Right? Like, like you, need to, you need to bestow honor. And this gets into what we've been talking about for weeks. We're, we're called as the faith family to outdo each other in honor. I mean, I mean how does that look in your life? I mean, are you, are you actually tangibly looking to outdo one another in this church with honor? I mean, honor's not a light word. It's the highest respect. It's the highest service. That's you just completely forgetting yourself and saying, how can I be a blessing to you? Right? I mean, can you imagine just the church operating that way, walking in, going, man, I just want to outdo people in honor. How do I do that? <laughs> you know how differently this place would look, right? And churches would look, and the faith family as a whole would look. And Paul's just saying, hey, here's a guy who, who did that. And, and what I love about this passage is I just think people think that unless, unless I become a pastor or like a leader in the church, then my role is less significant. And I can't really do a whole lot. Some of that might be your pride. Right? Some of it might subconsciously be you just kind of wanting to make much of you and you haven't really dealt with that yet. It might also be just genuine 
honest. Hey, I just, I feel like I've always viewed the church like these guys are kind of like the big wigs, the supermen, and they kind of do it all, and they're, they're used. But me, I mean, I, what could I do? I mean, how could I play a role? How could I play a part? How could I give myself? And, and Paul's just showing you, no, everyone has a role in the work of God. And it's profound. And he's called us just to be servants. So even your pastors are servants, right? They're under shepherds, right? We're submitting to our chief shepherd, Jesus, right? Everyone is servants of God, placed in different roles maybe, but not higher status. So the body works and operates in a way that's healthy, and I love this. So the Bible's saying Timothy had a role, Epaphroditus had a role. I mean, sometimes I look at you guys and your vocations, and I'll be honest, I'm like, man, I would, I would love to work in your job to be a light for the glory of the gospel. I mean, I hear about Peter and what he's doing, and I'm like, man, wait, wait, you're, you're, you're in it. You're, I mean, last week, right, you're in a crooked and twisted generation. You're in the midst of it, so shine like lights in the midst of where you are. I'm going, man, I want to be there. I may hear about some of you other guys, what you're doing, the ways that you're stepping out in faith, the ways that you're actually challenging other people in the places that you work to be more like Jesus, and then other people are asking you questions because you look different. I'm going, man, I, I would love to be there. And I praise God for you, and I pray for you. Don't, don't lose that joy there. Don't lose the, the marvel of where God's put you. Like, your work for the kingdom is huge. And you're called just to be a servant who exemplifies Jesus. So people look at you and go, man, yeah, you're set apart. You stand out. Who's the one that you're imaging? Who's the one that you're like? Well, let me tell you about him. Because I'm not a big deal. He is. So let me point you to him. It's just, it's just a, a beautiful, beautiful thing. So let me just ask us a question. What, what do you spend most of your time praying for? Because I think this is a great thing for us to pray for. And it's kind of been the theme throughout chapter 2. That we would be the best model of Jesus Christ. That's it. I mean, I mean some of us, maybe we spend our whole time going, Man, I, just, I just want to be the best boss. Okay, it's a good prayer. It's not the best prayer. Or I just want to be the best husband. I just want to be the best wife. Or I just want to be the best electrician. The best, you just, whatever you... Think about it. I just want to be the best this, this. No, no. How about we begin praying, man, I want to be the best model of Jesus Christ possible. Because, because if you start praying that, your heart starts being wooed by that, then what's going to happen is you're going to be the best dad. You're going to be the best husband. You're going to be the best wife. You're going to be the best boss or CEO because you're going to be looking like the one who made all those things. Okay? So, so we got to even reform our prayers a bit. And what, what are we praying for? And this was hard this week. This was challenging this week. I actually had to reorient my prayer life this week as I found myself just wandering into these trails that was praying for things that, that was not that I'd be a model of Jesus. Because I'm looking at these two guys going, man, that, that's, that's what I want. I mean, that's what, that's what Paul's wanting this church to be. That's why he's giving these two examples. That's why he gave his own example. That's why he gave the example of Christ. Because I, I want you to see it. I want you to behold it. I want you to marvel at it. I want it to change you. And it's going to change your family, it's going to change your work, it's going to change the way you interact in relationships, it's going to change your job, it's going to change your wants, it's going to change your desires. He goes, man, I just, that's what I want to see. I want to be the best representation of you. God, help me to be the best representation of you. It's a, it's a good thing for us to, to think about. So let's just get on the ground for a second to, to end this. Um, when you, when you exist in your world, 
do you see people? And, and here's what I mean. Do you see people as just servants for you? Or do you see people as people to have an opportunity to serve? Thinking about humility. Like, just, I want like baseline, regular things happening in your life. You go to a restaurant, you work, someone's under you, you have a secretary, you have an administrator. Do you see those people fundamentally and primarily as serve me? Like, give me stuff. I want my drink. I want my papers. Print this thing. You know, like, like how do you see them? Or, or do, you, do, you, do you see them as, as real people who God is saying, serve them? In your attitude, in your demeanor. Being a servant leader. How, how, do, how, do, you just, how do you view the world? Is the world something that just should be giving you everything that you want? Or do you realize that you've been intrinsically changed by the God of the universe who is asking you to actually give of yourself and die to yourself to make Jesus shine more bright in the spheres of influence you've been placed for his great, greater glory? Like, just how do you see people? When you walk in this morning, how do you, how do you see people? Oh, there's Mike. He's supposed to give me the word, right? Do your job, Mike. Okay, I will. You know, like, or, oh, there's that guy. He's supposed to open the door for me. They're the setup guys. They're supposed to set up for me. There's the worship team. They're supposed to lead worship for me. Like, like how do you just see people? You see what I'm saying? I mean, get, get, get on the ground. Like, get into real life in this thing. Don't just kind of have these heady, I mean, really think about it. I want Because this is what I don't want. I don't want this just to be an intellectual idea. I want it to be something we're walking in, Right? And this is how you begin to navigate and know whether this is just something you're thinking about that's cute because it's in the Bible or whether this is something you're actually walking in practically and as you walk in it, it's changing you. Right, because listen, obedience is inextricably tied to your knowledge if you want to see greater maturity in your faith. Like, you understand that. Like, how many people just, okay, I'm reading a bunch of stuff. Okay, now it's just going to like naturally absorb in my bloodstream and I'm going to just be this guy who just loves the Lord's humble, looks like right hand you know, No, you gotta read these things and then actually obey and walk in it. And then you begin to see this little shade, 2 Corinthians 4, being changed and transformed more to the image and glory of Jesus Christ as you look at him and behold him and walk in what he's asked you to walk in. Otherwise, Philippians 2 is just a waste. Well, let's just think about how great it would be if we were humble. Okay, how about we think about tangibly tomorrow walking into where we are, how can I view human beings? How can I see my brothers and sisters? How can I actually look at them and think about them and pray for them? It's profound. I mean, it, tra- it transforms our life. In the community of faith, you know, we've talked about this on and off. I mean, how are you tangibly looking to create an environment where we're outdoing one another in honor? It's a heavy call, but, it's, but it's, we're capable, we're able, we have the Holy Spirit in, in dwelling us. And, and here's why, let me end here, here's why this is super encouraging, okay, these guys. You have Paul give us this guy, Timothy, who basically says this guy's a model, right? This is a guy that looks like Jesus, this is a guy who's doing it well, right? Okay, so we just had Paul say that to the Philippian church. If you just, we don't know how much later, but a little bit later, then you read 2 Timothy, the last letter he writes, 
before his death, 2 Timothy, he tells Timothy, the same guy, what? Hey, flee youthful passions. Grow in holiness. Hey, stop quarreling. You go, hold on a second. I thought you just said Timothy was like the model for us. Wait, and then later he's writing, to, what happens? Hey, when we've been redeemed, we still have ebbs and flows. Like, like we still need encouragement. We still need spiritual strengthening. So even Timothy, he's just showing you, hey, he was an ordinary guy like you who doesn't nail it out of the park every single day, who has ebbs and flows. He needed to remind Timothy, hey, hey, fight your sin. Hey, grow in godliness. Hey, why don't you stop quarreling? Hey, why don't you start seeing Christ again, right? Obviously, Timothy had a little bit of a slip up, a little bit of a landslide in his faith, and Paul needed to encourage him. I mean, that should just bless you, right? I mean, who can't identify with that? So it's not these guys who they're saying, hey, these guys consistently kill it, and they're never faulting, and they're never stumbling, but they're always wanting to, as Peter said, fight the good fight of faith and fight for the gospel that was given to us. I mean, how encouraging is that for us? To know that, man, okay, okay, good. He was an ordinary guy transformed by an extraordinary Jesus who enabled him to walk in these lanes of humility. So, so here's what I'd say to you. It's possible for you. It's possible for me. These are things we get to do. It's not, oh, shoot, I have to live like, no, it's, we, wow, I get to because the Holy Spirit of God is in me and empowers me to actually become like this new creation that I am. It's an exciting thing. Let's ask God to help us to do that. God, I, I, don't, I don't know all that you have for us individually, but I know that, that you really want us to see you and see the model you lay before us. I know that you want to see your church as a people who outdo one another in honor, who just love looking to one another's interests. God, we all fight this. Because we are by nature conceited, prideful, self-centered people. 